and that jarring cacophony tells you that once again you're listening to the Doctor Who podcast that likes to discuss, discourse, digest, disagree and do other things that start with D as we celebrate Doctor Who's 60th anniversary. I'm Kenny Smith and I'm joined by a voice from the past, but also in the present. You better introduce yourself, voice, which is also the rest of you as well. Greetings, Kenny. Tom Harris here, founder founder, uh, one of the OGs from this podcast, I guess. I can't believe you said OG. You're so trying to be done with the kids. I, I, I didn't even know what that meant until like a week ago, and I've been trying to use it ever since. It's, it's original gang, isn't it? Something like that. Or, original gangster. Okay, gangster. Okay, I thought it was gangster, original gang. I guess, okay. yeah. Gosh, how cool are we? Oh, very, very cool. This is what the kids really lap up. I know. I mean, let's get on some, uh, like, uh, oh, I don't know, like, Eminem and stuff like that. And let's go out for a drive with the soft top cars and just like bouncing our wheels like Snoop Dogg. Absolutely. Switch on that uh, hit parade and let's see what's at number one. Indeed. Hosted by Diddy Hamilton. I nearly said another name there, but we'll not say that. I'm glad you didn't. No, definitely not. But Tom, welcome back. And it's a podcast that's appropriate to have you on for because we're talking about the Daleks in that wonderful film, An Adventure in Space and Time, because you and I were among the lucky people who got a preview of the Daleks when they were being built. And it was because you told me in pre-podcast days all about it, and I managed to get along and see it. So how did you find out about these being built? It's the only time in our whole friendship where I knew something before you did. It's the only (laughs) time it's ever happened. It was a friend of the Labour Party who was, uh, and I can't actually even remember now what the relationship was, but it was, I think it was her son who knew the guy who made these Daleks. And and this woman said to him, oh, our local MP Tom Harris is a big Doctor Who fan. Can I pass on this information? And she did, she duly did. So this would have been, well, of course, 2013. And uh, I remember it was a Sunday night when I got the call and I immediately phoned up the guy, expecting him not to be in because it was a Sunday, I didn't think he'd be working. And he was really friendly and he said, yeah, come on over. And I said, can I bring my two boys because they're really into Doctor Who? And they would have been nine and seven at the time. Yeah. So we piled into the car, drove over to, I think it's Finiston? Traston. Yes, Traston. Yeah, in in the yard there because it took us ages to find it. Yeah, we found it reasonably quickly. We got good instructions. We got to the big, I mean, basically it's an industrial estate that is uh, guarded by two massive big swing uh, gates, which were closed when I arrived. And of course, the light was fading. It was, you know, October on a really cold autumn night. And we, there was somebody there to open the gates for us. We drove through and basically went into an Aladdin's cave. It was just wonderful. I knew a little bit of the background. I knew that he, this this Glasgow company had been tasked with building the original Daleks, you know, from, from the Hartnell era in order to use in uh, Adventure in Space and Time, which, of course, I hadn't seen yet. And, and, and they were just astonishing. And the best and the worst thing was Paul said, would you like to buy one? And I said, yes, I would. How much? And he told me. I said, ah, maybe not. <laughs> um, I also didn't know where to put it anyway. But And what was funny is, especially my younger son, who was only seven at the time, he was petrified about going near them. 
because of course he he'd by this time immersed himself in New Who and uh, was had a very healthy and adorable Terror of the Daleks. Terror of the Daleks. There's a good title. That's for a great day. title. I was thinking that, dear Nick Briggs. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it's been done. Um, and he also had Tardises. He had more than one Tardis because mm. that was also something he was building for for the the, the show the, for that particular drama. And he offered to make me one of them as well. Uh, and I, I mean, I was sorely tempted. Yeah, because uh, that'd be a great garden shed. Uh, if this had been pre-Duck Pond days in Parliament, you could have claimed it. Oh, I'd have found some way of doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> and 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 to hell with the coverage, I would have got my TARDIS out of it. <laughs> but no, uh, it was it was beyond my means, which is a pity because they were beautiful. I mean, they were just fantastic. Uh, he did some great work on it uh, with the old uh, you know St John's ambulance sign on the front and. Uh, it was great, but the Daleks were amazing. We got some great photographs taken that day. Yep, because after you let me know, I think it was a Sunday night, so I phoned Paul on the Monday, and I think we went in that night, and it was I remember it was absolutely chucking it down, and we drove in, and once we eventually found it, then we went, and Paul was there, greeted us, and was working away, and I think two of the Daleks were complete, and the other two were just about finished. So I said, yep, come on in. So we walked in and Katie was six, nearly seven. And she, as soon as she saw the Dalek, she just screamed. And I've never heard her scream like that before. And she screamed, was in tears and ran out the room. Said, I can't see them. I can't see them. Was absolutely petrified. And Paul, meanwhile, was pissing himself. And he was absolutely delighted that his work had done its job. They were terrifying this poor, poor wee six-year-old girl who was all confident friends like I'm going to see the Daleks yeah I'm going to get my picture of the Dalek she refused to go back in and get a picture with them at all so I, I interviewed Paul for the record and got some good pics um, but I, I, remember, actually, I remember the feature yeah well I missed the Dalek the, the, I missed the TARDIS because it had been sent right. down to Cardiff by that point it had been put in the back of an Eddie Stobart truck I sent the pictures of it as it was being taken away I was gutted because it looked really really nice and um, I did see it eventually when it was in Cardiff in the Doctor Who experience along with a couple of these finished Daleks as well I remember feeling quite proud that a Glasgow company had won such a prestigious contract um, I thought it was, was terrific I thought, I, I thought you know this is a real feather on the cap of the city uh, I don't know what Paul makes now that he's not making Doctor Who paraphernalia but um, I mean the workmanship was fantastic just when you're talking about kids reaction I mean kids let's face it are rubbish they're, they're, they're a bit of a drag on you whenever you take them somewhere decent I remember having to leave the Doctor Who exhibit at Kelvin Grove Park years ago early because both kids had a Polyri whenever they, when they saw the that well somebody they saw some autons at the beginning of the, mm -hmm. the very entrance they saw these autons moving and they burst into tears and ran out and they refused to come in with me so I ended up going round the whole exhibition myself feeling a bit suspect to the only <laughs> adult in the place but my first experience of, of having a recalcitrant child when I came to Doctor Who was in 1995 Worldcon came to Glasgow you know, the World Science Fiction Convention, yep. which is an amazing event. And there was a Dalek there. And if you wanted your photograph with it, you had to pay some money. And it went to the charity that Roy Castle founded. Yep. Because that was the connection, Roy Castle, the Doctor in the Daleks movie. And it was, I don't know if it was one of the Daleks from the movie or if it was a replica. But I had my little son with me and I was 94. 
five, so he would have been just coming up on four. And I've still got the photographs, and you should see the look in his face. He is just not trusting those Daleks. He did not <laughs> want to go near it at all. That's but it's great to know that we're still giving kids nightmares. Yeah. Do you know, funnily enough, you mentioned the Worldcon. When I was out at Gallifrey this year, on the plane back, I was sat uh, three seats away from one of the organisers of that event when it came to Glasgow. Right. And it turns out, by complete coincidence, he knew a former East Bride News colleague who I'd worked with Alison and he knew Alison as well. She'd been involved in organising that event as well. So such a small world. You go to LA, you meet people who know you. The other one was that I met a woman there called Hannah, who's from Aberdeenshire, and she knows Robert Brown, the former MSP. <laughs> How, I mean, that's typical. You go halfway across the world and you meet people who know people in common with you. It's slightly off topic, but I think I may have told you about the time when I was over on a parliamentary trip in 2004 and I was on my own and I was staying, uh, I just checked into my hotel in DC and I decided to go for a walk, basically just to try and stay awake so I could beat the jet lag. And I walked onto the pavement right in front of the hotel and I thought, right, I need to find the underground. I was going to go do some shopping. And the first guy that came along to me said, excuse me, uh, do you know where the nearest metro station is? And he said in a thick Glasgow accent, oh, I haven't heard that accent for a while. He's from Townhead, <laughs> the very first person I met in DC. Anyway, typical. neither of you know there. Absolutely. So shall we move on and have a quick chat with Paul? That'd be interesting. Good. Well, hello, Kenny. Uh, very nice to see you again after so long. Yes, indeed. My name is Paul McNamara. I was the builder and operator of four Daleks. Well, I didn't operate all four at once, obviously. But I builder operator on four Daleks for an adventure in space and time, which was a lovely little job to work on, uh, exploring the, the whole start of the Doctor Who phenomenon with William Hartnell and stuff. And, um, yeah, uh, I, it, it was a blast. Uh, it, it was good. It definitely was. So can you maybe tell us a wee bit about how you get into prop making and you know some of your other non-Doctor Who work? The, the very, very start, uh, I, I would say, would be... I, I got a call. I'd been sending CVs out everywhere trying to get something vaguely artistic to uh, become a job. And I got a call from someone who'd found one of my CVs in a, an outtree as in, in the bin um, of, of some production company and decided to phone me up, give me a shot at uh, helping out. And it was for a theatre production of The Little Match Girl. So we, we made these little reversible sets and stuff like that. And uh, he was impressed, uh, the designer fellow that I was working with, he was impressed with my attention to detail and stuff. And we were in a couple of production meetings where I learned a very important lesson, which is never bloody volunteer. Because I, I decided that I had an, a great idea. It's like they were talking about the point where, and it's, it's a lovely tale, The Little Match Girl, where, you know, the, the, the food the dancing scene is where essentially the little girl was freezing to death in the cold and hallucinating wildly. And we have this great dance sequence, and I'm like, really? <laughs> anyway, I, th I thought it'd be great if the turkey that we'd seen earlier on getting wheeled in and lauded as, oh, look, we've got all this food, and she's out there starving to death. And the turkey, maybe it got up and danced. 
And they went, yeah, that's a great idea. You yawn that then. And I went, what? <laughs> Me? I don't, I don't know how to do that. So I, I had to then make this turkey movable. So I, I created a, a puppeteering rig. I had no idea about puppetry, no idea about nothing. But I, I created this rig and I'm inside the table. I never did see the children's reactions because they, they ran it in the Pierce Institute in Glasgow and Govan and um, they ran it several nights and I heard the reactions every night which was lots of screams, gasps and general <laughs> not not good reactions from the point of view of like you, know, you, you want to please the children but great reaction from the point of view is I wanted to scare the crap out of them and every time that turkey stood up it was the same reaction for like a whole week or whatever, and uh, so that that was my very very first, and then I wound up in the Scottish Screen as it's now called um, training program. They put me through a few things, and I didn't know really what I wanted to be, so I was general art department, and then. The, the woman running the course, Kay Sheridan, said, you should be a prop man. You'd be a good prop man. And I went, yeah, prop man. Prop man, I'll, I'll, I'll be prop. What's prop man? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what that term meant. Um, and then, obviously, it was explained. And I thought, yeah, okay. Sounds good to me because my first desire to, to get involved into all this was basically Star Wars. I wanted to build those big ass spaceships and blow them up. That that was it. I thought that could there be a cooler job than that? No, there could not. I've still not found one either. So yeah, but of course your work's in, been in you know various shows and likes of Outlander and stuff like that over the yep. years. And then of course you got to the call in what early twenty? Oh no, it was late twenty twelve, wasn't it? To say, would you be interested oh, in I, doing the doing the dance? Uh, How did that all come around? Well, I'd been doing a show called Danny's House, a kids show, when I was more or less the prop department. I was de facto prop master. I was the dressing prop guy. I made the props for the thing, and I was literally raking the bins. That was the kind of budget we had on that show. I, I, I would go into the bins for interesting shaped pieces of garbage to make my props out of. And I got the call one day for that, before we were really due to start, from the designer who had said, basically, this is the point. We need to decide the look of the show. We need this particular prop built now. You need to build it. And I'm like, well, I'm not on the clock yet. And it's like, yeah, I don't really want... Well, you will basically dis define the look of the show in building this prop. Hmm. Okay, then. <laughs> so I, I built the prop, and I've done it in all, like, silvers, but future imperfect. It was all very grubby and nasty. I've always liked that kind of red dwarf type of look to it. So done that, and that was great. So I worked with, with that designer for four years, and we got to talk in various evenings. And I had said that years back, I had actually built 
a Dalek to the point where I'd built it all the way to, it didn't have a dome, and the interior of this thing would have been like a joiner's nightmare. You'd have looked and there's bits of wood running in every bloody direction. And it was for a friend of mine who was just obsessed with Daleks. And I, I built it for a 1.3 Escort and a Black & Decker <laughs> drill. That that was my price. Um, I never did get to finish it. I always wanted to finish it, but I never did get to finish it. So I had mentioned that to him. So he then gets this adventure in space and time. He gives me a call and says, when did you see you built a Dalek? Yeah. Do you reckon you could build me four Daleks in three weeks? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like totally bluffing at that point. Yeah, I can, I can build four Daleks in three weeks, no bother. And he went, right, okay, let's do it. So uh, then I started to panic. <laughs> Because it's like, I don't, I do remember how awkward it was, especially, I mean, I, I don't know, you, you'd maybe be able to tell me this more than I could tell you, is, you know, the Daleks three-sectional, yeah, more or less. Yeah. The bottom section. The skirt. What do they refer that as? That's the skirt. Right. Because I referred to it as the circular hexagonal a rectangular oblong thing um, that it all sits on because it's the weirdest shape ever. So, yeah, I, I, I just, I, and I thought, I don't know how, how to even begin this. And I know one of the questions um, that you had said you were going to ask is, how did I get the details of this? Well, I obviously you're talking, as we said, 2012, Facebook hadn't quite destroyed everything uh, yet. There were still forums around. Forums were a big thing back then. For all you kids listening, forums were good. Forums were excellent. You could find actual information and then go back and find it again two days later. And I found a, a Dalek Builders forum. And it wasn't just like, oh, we build Daleks. What version of Dalek are you looking to build? Well, I want a, a Mark One Shawcraft, please. There's the plans for it there. <laughs> we get the plans for a Mark Two. Yep. The other next to it. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I, I had the plans right there and there, all the measurements, everything about how we're gonna do it. Not the build method. Um I, I found that you know, various other places, more searching online, I found various ways to go about the build method, but the actual plans, the dimensions, how to make it accurate, that's a one-stop shop. There it's there. What one do you want? Include all the way up to, at that point, obviously, it would be the David Tennant ones. Um, 2005, was that they started? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's any dialogue like you want. There you go. <laughs> so that, that was how I found um, how to do them correctly. Yep. But I didn't actually do them correctly. <laughs> um, let's chat about the building process, because, of course, you had to turn them around very quickly. In uh, it, was, it was an interesting workshop that you had, obviously, with uh, having... Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, you were there, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was a prop store warehouse, so... Again, that was the designer of the show. 
was involved in that prop store. So it was a big ass warehouse. And um, I would turn up all the morning, eight o'clock usually. And I would leave usually by about midnight. Um, and that was like for three weeks straight every day. The only time I would leave earlier was when I got the telltale sign that it's time to go home, which was basically when my earlobes started to burn. I knew I'd taken in too much fiberglass um, fumes and I, I I would not necessarily be safe to drive if I stayed <laughs> any longer. <laughs> so I would go home. But yeah, just, you know, stayed in there for, I'd say, three weeks straight, just building these things. Yeah. And what I was told afterwards was I made a variant. I, I, I'm actually an official designer of a individual type of Dalek, because there's the Mark 1s, the Mark 2s, the Mark 3s, and so on and so forth. And there's also mine. <laughs> because we we built the skirt in um, three quarter inch ply because it was cheap, and when it got to the front panels, they they didn't line up, and I was like, "What's going on here? I've done it to the right measurements. Why won't they line up?" I mean, it's almost like as if you're supposed to twist it to attach it to the top ring. You are supposed to twist it. To attach to the top right, so I should have built it a much thinner material so it has a little bit of flexibility. I did not know that, <laughs> so I we just we had, didn't have time or patience to correct it. So we just put in a piece of filler and then extended the middle section to cover it. I then got told at the end when I when I said on that Dalek Builders forum, All right, we've done it, and here's photos, and all that. thanks for all your help, and blah de blah. And they went, You realize you've created a variant. <laughs> Did I? Sorry. <laughs> so if anyone ever wants to build one to the specifications of an adventure in space and time, they have to essentially do it wrong. And then they'll, they'll be right. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah. Now, one thing that I know was one of your personal highlights <laughs> during the construction phase, and uh, you mentioned earlier that you enjoyed scaring people was that when I took along yes. my poor poor little <laughs> five-year-olds virtually yeah virtually five-year-old Katie and she walked in saw your Daleks screamed and you were trying so hard not to laugh because yes. so was I. <laughs> I, I I I I do recall that while I was trying hard not to laugh I did fail quite miserably um, and the second she was out of earshot because I thought now that she's gone, you'll get why I'm laughing. And I started laughing and I thought, he's not going to be offended. He knows why I'm laughing. And it's because all those tales I I heard back in the day when I was growing up and I would see Daleks and think, you know, it's Dalek, it's fine. But when they were first broadcast and they terrified people and there were all these reports of, of kids hiding behind sofas and adults even being like completely terrible. I mean, the voice, the, the, the voice is quite disturbing. And it was good because we had, not the original guy, obviously, but who, who's the guy that does Nick it Briggs. nowadays? Nicholas Briggs. Yeah. We actually had him on set doing in, in, in one of the proper like original box type things. 
and he's doing all the Dalek voices, and I'm in the I'm being the Dalek, and he's doing my voice, and I'm like, this is just awesome. <laughs> but yes, when Katie ran out, I just thought, that's it. If if I needed any validation, that's it right there. I have just terrified a five year old kid, and I hadn't even finished building the bloody things. Yeah, you know, only only one was complete, and the, the other those well, were. Well, the second one was nearly there, but the other two were half done. It was it was fantastic. It, it wasn't even, if I remember, it wasn't even complete. It was the full shape of it. It hadn't been fully painted yet because I know the domes didn't get painted until all four were complete. So it was basically it had the skirt, the midsection, and the dome all sat together. The other ones were the skirt, midsection, and neck rings. Yeah. And they were all just sat there, and she just came in, and, it, it, and again, apologise <laughs> for sounding so callous, mm. but it was just—it was fantastic the way we. She just walked in; she's all quite happy. Going, oh my god, this place looks interesting. Look at all these crazy things everywhere, mm. and they walked into that white space um, <laughs> that we had where we would film adverts and stuff. And as soon as she walked in there, and just the only thing in this white space was those four Daleks, and she just spun on her heel. Mm-hmm. straight away and it was like ah, and off and I'm like yes <laughs> I have to admit I was, so, I, was, yeah. I was I was delighted and uh, laughing a lot but also of course I did feel sorry for her but uh, yeah but it was brilliant and of course you mentioned at the top there that you also played the Daleks or you got to play a Dalek yes. so what's your memories of that because obviously you got to do the Westminster Bridge scenes and some studio work as oh, well oh that was brilliant that, that was that was fabulous. I knew, obviously. I mean, essentially, I was... Oh God, there was a character in it, Len, something or other. And he was like the quintessential super keen extra. And he would always be the guy that volunteered to do stuff. And he was crap. So he would always get it wrong. So I had been told before we had done this, before I'd even built the Dalek that uh, we're going to do this Westminster Bridge scene. And I'm like, yes, that's for me, yes. And I, that's when I, I basically wrote into my contract because I built the Daleks with my own money and hired them to the job, which is why I was then able to dispose of them in my own fashion uh, once uh, we had got to the end. And uh, I said to them, part of my contract is when we do the Westminster Bridge scene, I... I'm in the lead Dalek leading the charge across Westminster Bridge. Not negotiable. And they're like, I had it. <laughs> that then turned into I became Dalek Wrangler, head Dalek and Dalek bloody guru. I had to interview guys to be the other three Daleks. And my interview process was brilliant. And it was on the Blue Peter studio in television centre in London. That, that's that's the space they gave us to, to practice. And he says, right, what do you want us to do? And I was like, get in the Dalek and um, exterminate stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to be a Dalek. So we just all just, you know, bustled about the studio. And I, I was like, oh, right, great, it's mashing. You're hired. Um, but uh, when we got to the London Bridge, the, the first AD the first assistant director 
said to me, as we were setting up, and I, I've obviously I pulled all the Daleks out of the van, got them in, got the guys in them, and buttoned them up. And because I didn't build them entirely properly, the way they look good from the outside and stuff, but once you were in it, you needed help to get out. You were not getting out of that thing on your own. You'd, no. So get up, puts all the other three guys in. I'm the last one in. I get into my Dalek, and we've all got radios in sideways. And uh, the first AD comes over the, the radio and says, right, Paul, you take your, your team up to halfway up the bridge, and if you can go third in line, that'd be grand. I guess on my radio straight away, third in line? Third in line, you say? I think you find it states quite clearly that I'm first in line. I am leading the charge over this bridge. And he went, oh, she said, we need you to do a bit of acting on this one. I went, all right, no, third in line, yeah, on my way. <laughs> <laughs> Off we went, and they basically told me to be crap, which is brilliant because I kind of already was a bit and it didn't require a great deal of acting. So I, I had to basically have my Dalek coming along and continually like veer off, nearly crash into the side of the bridge, nearly fall off the pavement and so on and so forth. Then I get shouted at by the director, like the acting guy who was supposed to be the director of, of the back in the day thing. And he comes and shouts at me. And I tried to do a two fingers up, but it's quite hard to do with a plunger. <laughs> but you did keep it in where it's like you see that the plunger go up and it's like I, I know what I was trying to do but I don't think anybody else ever would but I had great fun with that role on that bridge with that day because it was a Sunday we shut the whole bridge down and even the first AD he was like oh it's one of my dreams to be able to just turn around and go oh, yeah shut that bridge down outside bloody parliament shut the bridge down <laughs> I scared the crap out of a lot of tourists because, of course, they walk up and there's a Dalek sitting there and my eye stock is down, yep. but my hands, if you will, are down. And I'm just sat on my wee bench inside the, the Dalek waiting for the next take. And they're coming up and there's like Japanese tourists. I remember the, the Japanese tourists in particular because she near... Uh, to not swear, I'll say she near had a little trouser accident when I did move. <laughs> <laughs> I waited and she's standing there next to it and she, they can't see me inside because obviously get the black balaclava on and yep. all that. And I'm like, mm. and then I just moved and oh, good Lord, she, she moved fast and, and, and quite a long way because she just absolutely lost it. But my favourite, by far, memory of the bridge we're sat there between takes and I happen to look ahead of me and I can see Dalek ahead of me and he's um, he's gun prone. and that was when they had it was just the four little metal springy things that came out so I'd, I'd made them a rolled metal and so I was like yeah uh, this is Dalek leader to Dalek 3 Dalek 3 come in and he's like uh, Dalek 3 go ahead Dalek leader yeah, well, uh, it looks like your death rate is set in the kill position. If you could uh, retract that there, the new, that would be grand. <laughs> uh, yeah, on it, Dalek leader. Right, Neville. He, so he retracts. And how is that, as far as I was concerned? 
But then the radio keys again, and it's the first AD, and as he keys it, I can hear the absolute mayhem as the whole crew down the other end of the bridge are killed. I didn't realise they'd done it on the open channel. <laughs> and they're all dying with laughter, and he's like, Paul, that has got to be the most random and wonderful thing I've ever heard in a film set. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah, retract your death ray there, come on now. Um, so, yeah, that, that was that was funny. And that was, that that was a good day. That was I a didn't really know that one day. yet. You'd never told me that before. That's superb. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you just mentioned that, uh, obviously, you, you built and owned these dialects. So can you tell us what happened yeah. to the props afterwards? I can't. The first one to go went to Mr. Gatiss, who I gave, oh, well, no mention figures or anything, but I, I certainly gave him a good deal. I, I mean, the great thing was every time they appeared on screen, I, ha I, I stopped working in my actual real job of being a prop man and then just went away and became a Dalek Wrangler. So I, I was super keen to keep pushing the idea, just a Dalek in the back of that shot. And I kept them in the studio, so they were always there, they were always available. And then, sure enough, the directors would always go, oh, let's get some Daleks in. Oh, so I, I got paid well, and I did make my money back, and then some. So Mark had said, can I get one of your Daleks? And I said, well, absolutely, of course. That's not a problem. So he bought one. Then the sound guy, uh, whose name escapes me, sound guy says, can I get one? Absolutely. He did not get such a good deal as Mark Gatiss. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kept two. Now, the Daleks were all named. There, there was Paul, after himself, mm. Dave, after the designer, Brian and Bob, who were the two chippies who helped me with some of the wood construction thing. That's uh, Brian Quinn and Bob Douglas. They helped with the, the construction process. And uh, we kept Paul and Dave. So they, they sat in the same prop store that you, you visited for a few years. Then eventually, I, I'd seen, because we had Travis, you know, the band, and there's photos of them where they've came in and went, oh, Daleks. And they want photos next to the Daleks and stuff like that. And I oh, crack on. And then it, it just it was looking like, you know, if they stayed in that store much longer, they're going to get trashed because stuff just keeps getting piled on them. They keep getting moved around. And yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy. So I thought, you know what? Sell it now before it gets destroyed. So I took it to the prop store of London and... Dave, the designer, decided he wanted his down as well. And I went, right, fine. Put them both in the van, took them down the road and uh, sold them off. And it turns out that I, I'm pretty sure it's Paul that got bought by a certain uh, Jason Joyner. Uh, yes, <laughs> that one, yes. Uh, who, he certainly bought one of them. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I was told that it was... The first one in the block, which was mine, he bought that, and I have no idea where the last one went, but they all have a DVLA manual, which is Dalek Vehicle Licensing Association. <laughs> and I, I, I went to town, and I printed up these things that had, the, you know, the, the whole, like an MOT and, and crap like that, to just for, for nonsense, just for giggles. 
and, and of course, oh, I forgot to mention as well, there were there were multiple role Daleks, because although they were based on Shawcraft Mark Ones, they had to also be Mark Twos for the bridge scene. And what I'd done was basically build them as Mark Ones, and then have another base because when they done the the bridge scene, obviously you'll know this yourself. They put bicycle sort of mechanisms inside to have them going across and smooth. I did try that did not work well so it ended up just being flintstone power um, but I had these extra bases that you could just lift the Dalek onto to elevate it so it became a Mark 1 Mark 2 <laughs> but yeah so that that's where that they ended up in the the one that I sold the sound guy ended up he sold it for double what he paid me for it he, he apologised he actually messaged me to apologise and I went don't apologise crack on <laughs> and that ended up in, I think, Shepperton Studios. That's so cool. So, another one of my favourites, On the Bridge, and there's a cracking photo, and if you don't have it, I will send it to you. And it's, I mean, because it's Sunday morning, it's like nine o'clock, and this guy's walking past, and he's, he's the kind of guy that at nine o'clock in the morning is having a wee can of special brew. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's kind of the, the, the photo where he's standing, he's got a can in his hand, and my Dalek's here, and he's looking at it. And you're just thinking, What's going through your head there, mate? What, <laughs> what are you thinking right now? Because you're just like, Is this happening? Is that actually there? Or, a, or, a, or a, it was one of those ones where you imagine, he, you know, he looks at the Dalek, looks at the can, looks at the Dalek, looks at the can, throws the can over the over the side of the bridge and walks away. That, that would have been perfect, but yep. he didn't do any of that. He just he just stood there staring at my Dalek, going, <laughs> <laughs> and that that was again another little priceless moment of that job and I, as I say it's like then running around the Blue Peter studio in Daleks running around television centre on the exterior in Daleks to train these people how to drive a Dalek going across Westminster Bridge in a Dalek it was just that was fantastic it was a fabulous fabulous little job hard work because when we weren't well, when I wasn't being a Dalek it was like we were doing 1950s sets so everything had to change and what was great as well one of my absolute favourite parts is the old BBC television centre down in London the, the big round thing with the fountain in the middle and all that so we, we had been told that essentially it's being sold off to, to get turned into a hotel and blah de blah and we're, we're wandering around in there and we were dressed some of the corridor sections to be, you know, the Doctor Who studios. But then I was able to just wander around the rest of it. Unsupervised, just wandering around. And I'm wandering around these corridors going, how many of the things that shaped my mind were done here? Monty Python, Blackadder, all of this, it all came out of these corridors. 
and I don't know, I could be standing in the office where maybe John Cleese is arguing with Michael Palin about how to do this particular sketch. It's, it was it was magical for me anyway as a huge TV and film fan it was absolutely wonderful to wander around in that building and just kind of soak up the atmosphere of it it's amazing I'm I'm so jealous it's something that I never got to do <laughs> I passed it recently in the train well I say recently but a few months back on the train uh-huh. and uh, it was lovely that was the first time I'd ever seen the BBC or the old BBC television centre so it was I do uh, I can I did have that sort of Oh, there it is, that kind of aura to yeah. it. So all these great shows that shaped that us. Front, you, you see that front entrance and you're just yep. like, how many times did I see that on the telly when it was like Blue Peter and they'd show you that, Record Breakers, they would show you that. They always showed you that front entrance. You yep. you, you knew it. Iconic. It was just ah, yep. unbelievable. So. Yeah. And of course, there was the TARDIS was built in Glasgow as well, but you weren't as involved with that, were you? It was. Um, no, but the, the, the two joiner fellows that I mentioned earlier, um, Brian and Bob, they they built that TARDIS. And then, uh, yeah, it was painted by, oh God, Gary Lochran. Gary Lochran, lovely fellow. He painted it and aged it and all that kind of stuff. And it looked phenomenal. I think that wound up down in the Doctor Who thing in, in Wales as well. So, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it did because it, it, was a, it was a beautiful build. It was a really, really good build. I wanted to be involved in it, and I was told at the start of the job that I was going to get involved in building the console, the TARDIS console, but it wound up with time pressures and everything else. That was farmed out to a, a company down the way, and they done that. So, yeah, and it was. It was it was a beautiful build. It was a really, really nice build that they'd done. Fabulous. And it worked and all that. It had the whole up and down middly bit, which I'm not quite sure if that's the correct ter- uh, technical term. I wrote middly bit. But um, they, they had that. Yeah. <laughs> and various other bits. And it, it was just beautiful because I, I do remember when we were doing and I, did, I didn't know this before, but it was also you know, when you're given the script and they were talking about Hartnell would go around and say, you know, I've got to flip the switch here. And the director's like, no, but I need you over here. He's like, yeah, but that's not where the switch is. The switch to open the door is here. He was that kind of actor where it's like very perfection. It's like the kids will know. They will know that I'm in the wrong place hitting that switch. They'll, they'll pick up on this. No, I have to be there. If I'm opening the door, that's where the door switch is. That's what we've established and that's what we're going to stick with. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I love the idea of that. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was good to that. And, oh, that reminds me. There was two, like, almost like giant candlesticks. Brass things. It's about six feet high. Either side of the door and the TARDIS and the original Doctor Who. So the designer goes with the buyer to the, the prop stores and stuff, starting to look for something to replicate this thing. Get to one of the prop stores in London and uh, went in and then saw these two things. Oh, they look perfect. They look absolutely bang on. That looks just like it. 
and they say to the the people running the the store, oh yeah, yeah, we want to hire those for a couple of weeks because that looks just like the things that we need. What was it you need? Oh, it's this in the Doctor Who thing. We'll try find something to replicate these two things that were like in the original. And they went, oh, that's lucky then. What do you mean? That is the two that was in the original. <laughs> it was the actual two brass things, six foot. As I say, I don't know really what they were. I don't think Look they were nice. candlesticks, they were hookers. I don't know. Just six foot brass, ornate looking things. And it was the same two that was actually in the Hartnell version that was sat in our set because the prop store still had them. That's just <laughs> a lovely bit of continuity. It is fantastic. I mean, I think from you know everything you said, it's a job you look back on with a lot of affection, and of course it lives oh, on because people watch this film on a regular basis still today. And that makes me happy. That makes me very happy to think that for something that is, I think, for one of a better term, beloved by so many people. I mean, the fan base really do love their who. And to have then been able to work on something that was, certainly in my view, a good addition to that lore, mythos, whatever word you want to use, and to have it being received so positively. I mean, you are case in point. I know know how much of a big Doctor Who fan you are, (laughs) and I know you love it, and it's like that. That's why you came down and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like... Wow, I mean, it's it's quite a. I mean, I've worked on loads of other jobs that were bigger successes or or, or bigger budgets and whatever, massive fails as well. <laughs> um, but I don't think I ever really enjoyed anyone's quite as much as that one. That that was just that was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. It was just it was a brilliant job to work on. Really, yeah. really, really fun. And then, of course, when we discovered that you lived just pretty much around the corner, we keep, we keep well, we kept before you moved, kept bumping into each other in Morrison's after that, which was always good just to yes, catch up. When you came in, it was it was clear straight away the enthusiasm, and you were like, "Wow, this is just brilliant!" Did you get in one of the Daleks? No, I didn't, because I think the paint might have been wet. Because I would have loved to have. Who was, who was that? Some somebody when they came in straight away. That was the first question they had. Can I get in a Dalek? <laughs> yes, you can get in a Dalek. It's fine. <laughs> I just wish you'd addition me for down in Blue Peter now. Damn it! If only. Nah. <laughs> but yeah, and I've got some great photos of that one as well, where I'm actually using Blue Peter's tables, where I needed to sort some of the mechanisms inside for like putting the plunger out and stuff. And so I just I took the top half off, stuck it between that table and that table so I could go underneath it and work <laughs> inside it. Like a mechanic uh, with a car. Great, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's good photos because you've got the big-ass Blue Peter badge yeah. in the background and you can clearly recognise where I am. It's, there's no mistake in it. And it's like, that's an image I didn't expect to ever see. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, that's brilliant. Paul, thank you so much for your coming on and having a chat. Not a problem, sir. fantastic memories. Excellent. And thanks very much to Paul for his time. Once again, he gave us his time, what, 10 years ago? Gosh, nearly 11. And uh, yeah, thank you for his time again this week. Excellent. <laughs>
So it's been good to have a catch up and good to see you, Tom. And uh, I'm almost tempted to go and watch an adventure in space and time again, just to see those lovely Daleks. I haven't seen it for a while, but of all of the 50th anniversary celebrations, that was my favourite. I just thought that was terrific. But yeah, I think I will join you. I mean, not not physically, because no. that'd be weird. But yeah. yeah, I think I'll have a look at it as well. Yes, absolutely. It sounds like the thing to do. So, Tom, before we go, you know the question. I'd really like don't. to. You know, you do, because we always like to play out within a tune. Uh, so, is there any tune you'd particularly fancy playing out, or would you like me to select a 1960s gem that I've got in mind? Well, I can hardly refuse that now, can I? Absolutely. I think we should go with one of those lovely, obscure 1960s tracks. It's the dance of the Daleks, because Daleks obviously like dancing. Yeah, I know. Weird. Good. Well, we'll be back again tomorrow with another exciting adventure in time and space on the Power of Three podcast. You're doing a great job celebrating the 60th, Kenny. Well done. Thank you, Tom. But hey, you're the one who started this podcast, so thanks to you. Don't blame me. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.